up next on Walking by Faith. You know, when we worship and you connect with God, addictions drop off. Bad habits disintegrate. Hearts are healed. The Bible says it this way. It says that the mountains melt at the presence of the Lord. And there can be mountains in your life, but when you connect with God in worship, those mountains, they literally, they melt away. Hello, I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith. Thank you for being with us today. I'm excited about this message. I want to talk to you today about praise and worship. Now, most people don't realize it, but it is literally a spiritual commodity. It is something that Satan so wanted that he was willing to give up everything in order to receive it. It was something he came to Jesus and said, if you'll just fall down and worship me, he said, I will give you everything. Something that he, he desired, because what worship does, worship works inside of us. We literally become like the one that we worship. And when we worship God, something happens on the inside. And it is literally through praise and worship that we even enter into his presence. The Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This message, I believe, is revolutionary. I want you to come with me right now as we join, as we begin. Our staff asked me to share a story as I, as I start this, this series and kind of the story on how Jeannie and I ended up here at Resurrection Life Church. Now, we were missionaries. We, we lived in Mexico for seven years, and we loved being missionaries. You understand? We loved it. I know people think, oh, those poor missionaries. Listen, missionaries feel sorry for you. Right? Missionaries love what they do. I mean, we were missionaries. We were going to be missionaries all our lives. You know, missionaries living, missionaries dead, missionaries. We, we're just, that was it. In fact, um, we would come to the States and, and I would preach in churches and I would just feel sorry for pastors. Literally, I, I said this. I said, I, you know, uh, you, you poor pastors, you know, living in the United States, this boring thing, same thing all the time, preaching to the same people. I feel so sorry for you. In fact, my definition of failure was to be a pastor in America. <laughs> that, that was to me, that was failure, right? And, uh, and I had said, I will never pastor. How many of you know you should never tell God what you're not going to do, you know? But I had told him I would never pastor in America. And above all, I would never pastor in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Never, never, never. So, so we're missionaries. We are being missionaries. We love being missionaries. We are going to be missionaries all our lives. We're invited to a missions conference in Grace World Outreach Center in St. Louis, Missouri. And so it's, uh, we, we go up to the conference, and uh, it's, a, it's a missions conference, and we're loving it. Um, at that time, Samuel was just a little baby, and uh, we had Joshua and Samuel, our, our first two boys, and Jeannie said, you know, Samuel's kind of fussy and I'm a little tired. Is it all right if I don't go to the 2 o'clock in the afternoon service and you go to that one? And, and so uh, I ended up getting there just a little bit late and I kind of snuck in. I sat in the back and I had my Bible out and I've got my paper and my pencil and Marilyn Hickey is preaching. 
And she's preaching from Genesis, the story of Joseph. And the title of her message is How to Receive Your Dream from God. And I'm just sitting back there minding my own business, taking notes. And suddenly, I have a visitation from the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and said, move to Grand Rapids. Pastor a church. Do this, 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 and this. And this, 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 and this. And this is what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. Um, and it was, it was the weirdest thing. Because two minutes before, and I'm not lying. If you had said, I will give you $10 million to move to Grand Rapids, I'd have laughed at you. All right? But it was like somebody went up to a machine you know, back in the day, I think they're a dollar now, but you used to put a couple quarters in the machine and get a can of pop. It's like somebody just put a quarter in that machine and it dropped down. It just something just dropped inside me. And instantly, instantly, I had a burning desire to leave the mission field, move to Grand Rapids, and pastor a church. And I thought, this, will this pass? And it, it did not pass. It got worse instead of better. All right. Do you know that God can change your desires in a matter of a moment? The Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart. But I want to talk to you about the things that the Lord spoke to me about today. I want to talk about one of those things today. Right? And the first thing that I want to talk to you about is praise and worship. To have a church that emphasizes praise and worship. Now... You may not realize this, but there was worship and there was praise going on before there were even people. I'm not talking about people in, in church. I'm talking about people on earth. God said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He said, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. What God is saying is that angels in heaven, before he even created the foundations of the earth, there was praise, there was worship that was taking place in heaven. And praise and worship really starts in our Bible is like a little trickle, just a trickle. Right? But it just keeps on gaining momentum with Abraham and with David. But by the time you get to the book of Revelation, it says that the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. By the time you get to the book of Revelation, it's not a trickle, you've got a tsunami. Right? You've got the saints and the angels and the elders and the four living creatures, and these things are strange. Right? they got four faces, and they got, each face has eyes, and they're looking this way and that way. And everybody up in heaven is falling down before God, and they are worshiping God. At one point, it says that they just fall down. They're just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's like God gives them a revelation, and they fall down again. And they're just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They get back up, God gives them another revelation about himself, and they fall down again. And they go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They get back up, and God gives them another revelation about himself, and they fall back down. They've been doing this for thousands of years. Every time they get back up, God just shows another aspect of himself, and they just fall back down, and they worship. Now, it is not the style that is important. Right? Just look at creation. How many of you know God likes diversity? Right? And I know you have a certain type of music that you like. 
And I've got a certain type that I like. But God likes all kinds of music, right? God likes rap. He li- God likes rock. He likes country. Can you believe that? He likes, <laughs> he likes classical. I mean, God likes it all, all right? He likes oriental music. God, God likes all kinds. Of, God likes organ music, right? God likes all kinds of music. Now, there's a little bit of debate about this, but for example, I had a, a, a person in the church years ago come up and said, we just need to do anointed, anointed music. We need the old anointed hymns. And they mentioned A Mighty Fortress is Our God, written by Martin Luther, right? Believed by most people to have been a bar tune. And he took a popular bar tune and put Christian lyrics to that bar tune. Right? Now, it's not the music or the style of music that makes the difference. Right? It's the words and it's the spirit that's behind it. Right? Now, you take, for example, the very first person who's ever delivered from demon power in the Bible is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and it's King Saul. And the Bible says that David would play his harp. And when David would play his harp, that evil spirit would leave Saul. That distressing spirit would leave Saul. Why? Because the anointing that was on David when he played his music was so strong that there was deliverance from an evil spirit. And I really believe this. I believe that today, as we're worshiping, that the anointing of God fills the sanctuary and people get set free. They get set free when they worship. Now, you and, you and I may have a preference about the music that we like to listen to. But I'm going to tell you what we do here. We, we have gone and talked to lost people to find out what kind of music they listen to. And here's what we found out. We did this years ago. None of them listened to organ music. Was that a shock? Right? How many of you know that, that what church is about, church isn't just about the people that are here, it's the people that should be here that we need to reach, right? And we've got to create an atmosphere where the Spirit of God can move on their life, right? And to do that, we need to be using music that they're going to connect with, right? Not disconnect from, right? So that's why we do the type of music that we do, right? Now... What happens is in worship, not only do people get set free in worship, but revelation comes in worship. There's all sorts of examples of this throughout your Bible. But I just want to remind you of when Moses is out washing his his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. And a burning bush appears. And he goes and he approaches that burning bush. And God speaks to him. Out of the bush. And God said to Moses, He says, I am the God of your father. Well, first he said this. He said, Don't draw near the place where you're where you are is holy. So take off your sandals, for the place where you stand is holy ground. He takes off his sandals and he hits the ground. And when he does, God says to him, He says, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he's afraid to look at God. And God, first of all, revealed himself to Moses when he worshiped. But then he told Moses, 
who he was. He said, I am sending you. You are a deliverer. This is your purpose. This is what I created you for. I created you to be a deliverer. And I'm sending you to Egypt, and you're going to deliver the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. God, when he was in worship, God spoke. He revealed his destiny, revealed his purpose. God revealed his plan, not just for Moses, but for the children of Israel. There was transformation. Right? Now, by the way, that is not just true about Moses. It's true about you, and it's true about me. It happens in worship. But the Bible says this, listen, that we may do those good works which God predestined, predestined simply means planned beforehand, for us, taking paths that he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. God has a plan, a purpose, an assignment, a destiny for every single one of us. And one of the places that we find that out is we find out in worship, when we connect with God. In worship, above all, it's a matter of the heart. We can think that it has to do with singing, with it, that it has to do with clapping or dancing or lifting your hands or, or even falling on your face. And those can all be expressions of praise and worship. I remember 20 years ago when Pastor Merle, wait, everybody, Pastor Merle, Pastor Merle taught me this, right? That when you connect with God, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, that instantly God changes you. The word, what Pastor Merle said to me, he said, God can do more in 30 seconds than 100 hours of counseling. And I believe that that's true. Right? Now, you, you can lift your hands, you can sing, you can dance, you can clap, you can do all sorts of things and not connect. But the moment you connect, something happens. Right? You, you connect and all of a sudden you say, God, I am so sorry. God, I will do that. God, change me. God, make me. God, I surrender. I mean, the moment you connect in spirit to spirit, something happens on the inside of you. Now, it's in Ezekiel chapter 48. Now, excuse me, chapter, yeah, it's chapter 46. Now, Ezekiel is talking about the millennium when Jesus rules and reigns for a thousand years, and he's talking about the temple. All right, I want you to listen to what it says. It says, when the prince enters, that's Jesus, he shall go in by the way of the vestibule of the gateway and go out the same way. But when the people of the land come before the Lord, on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the south gate. And whoever enters by way of the south gate shall go out by way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but he shall go out through the opposite gate. You say, what's that all about? Well, it says when Jesus goes into the temple, he goes in the same one door and he goes out the same door. He leaves the exact same way he came. But it says, everybody else who enters that temple, you go in one door, but you leave by a different door because you never come into his presence and leave the same. When you come into his presence, when you connect with God, you will be different. You see, you become like the one that you worship. You become like the one that you worship. It may not be the greatest analogy, but you take a little seven or eight-year-old kid and that, that kid gets a, a, some basketball player that they're fond of, all right? And you know what? They want to have a jersey with their number. They want to have the same 
They, they, want, they want to have the same shoes. They want, they want to act like them in every way that they can. Right? You know, they're trying to emulate. And what happens in worship, you become like the one you worship. This is Hosea 9.10. They became an abomination like the thing that they loved or worshipped. They were worshipping Baal. And the Bible says as they worshipped, they became like it. Right? They became an abomination like the thing that they worshipped. You know, when we worship and you connect with God, addictions drop off. Bad habits disintegrate. Hearts are healed. The Bible says it this way. It says that the mountains melt at the presence of the Lord. And there can be mountains in your life, but when you connect with God in worship, those mountains, they literally, they melt away. Right? Now, worship is not something that just Christians do or spiritual people do. Rather, worship is something that everybody does, right? Whether you're spiritual or not spiritual, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're religious or not, you'll either worship God or you will worship something else because all of us were created to worship. You were created to worship. And if you don't worship God, you might worship your family, your career, finances, your boat, your hobby, fashion, but you're going to worship something. It's in Romans chapter 1 where it says, Because although they knew God, they didn't glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, of birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Verse 25, Worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. If, if you do not worship the creator, you'll end up worshiping some part of the creation. But you will worship because we were all created to worship. And it's something you cannot get away from. Right? Now, again, we, we talked about how just by the anointing of God that, that, that comes when we worship. Right? When David played that harp, that Saul was delivered. But it says over in Psalms, well, let, let's go to, to, to Matthew first, Matthew 21. Jesus said, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And he's quoting Psalms 8, which says, out of the mouth of nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Now, Jesus called ordaining strength praise. And it says, because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. You may have never looked at it, but praise is actually a spiritual weapon. What does it do? It silences the enemy and the avenger. A great example of this is found in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas are in Philippi in their preaching. Paul had had a dream. And in his dream, he saw a man from Philippi, a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. So they, they go over to Philippi, and they get there, and they begin to preach. And it doesn't take very long before things are not going well. Did you notice in Jesus' ministry that when he preached, people either became glad or mad? There's always some sort of a reaction. People ought to get glad or they ought to get mad. Well, Paul's preaching, and they get mad. Right? And they, they end up, they, they take them, they whip them. They take them and they throw them in a dungeon. They put them in stocks and bonds, and they're, they're stuck. And it's midnight, 
And it is literally 12 o'clock midnight. And the Bible says they're singing praises and psalms and hymns to God. And everybody's listening. But it's just not a literal midnight. It's a spiritual midnight. Things couldn't have been worse. And suddenly, the Bible says, there was an earthquake. The prison shook. And everyone's shackles fell off. And that Philippian jailer, he ran in. The Bible says he takes his sword. He's about to commit suicide because the penalty of a prisoner escaping was death. He's just going to take his own life. And Paul said, stop, we're all here. And, of course, you know the story. He said, what do I need to do to be saved? He'd been listening. And Paul tells him, and the man receives Jesus, and he's baptized that night. What happened when they began to worship God was that there was deliverance. Right? The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Right? He inhabits praise. It's in Psalms 100. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with with praise. You know, if you were going to go and see the president, there is protocol on what you're going to do when you come in to the presence of the president, and what you can't do. Right? Now, the same thing is true with God. And you enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Right? Now, by the way, that's how you come into his presence. Now, grumblers and complainers do not get into his presence. And grumblers and complainers do not get pity from God. So if we want to come into his presence, we come in with thanksgiving and praise. You may not know this bit, but you do know this. You, you know all people are created in his image and in his likeness. Right? And the best way to come into somebody's presence, right? if you want to talk with somebody about something, if, if you want to connect with somebody, the best way to do that is with thanksgiving and praise. Not grumbling, not complaining, thanksgiving and praise. Right? So Psalms 16 and 11, you will show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. Remember, he inhabits the praises of his people and in his presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I believe the devil tries to keep us out of God's presence, away from God's delivering power, away from his, the, the spirit of God that's going to change what's going on in our life. And the devil tries to keep us out by grumbling and complaining. Right? But in his presence, you get in his presence, there's fullness of joy. If you're in debt and you get in his presence, there's wisdom to bring you into a place of financial freedom. If you're addicted to drugs, alcohol, pornography, tobacco, and you get into his presence, there's power to break that addiction off your body and off your soul. You're on the brink of divorce, and you get into his presence, there is the grace to help to save your marriage. Right? It's when we, we enter into his presence with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. We connect with him through worship, right? We all, we all open gates. Some of us are opening gates into God's presence, into his power with praise and worship and thanksgiving. Others of us, we're entering, we are opening a gate for the enemy 
with complaining and grumbling. And of course, you know what the enemy brings. He brings death, disease, distraction, defeat, discouragement, and depression. Right? But it's in Isaiah chapter 61 where it talks about the anointing that's on Jesus and the anointing that's to be on the church. Right? Isaiah 61 in verse 3 says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or depression. Now notice that, the garment of praise for the spirit of depression. Now depression has literally gotten to an academic, excuse me, to, to an incredible, incredible rate in our nation today. It has increased, they say today, approximately 18.8 million American adults or 9.5 of the population, 18 and older, will have a depression disorder in any given year. We take more drugs and go to more therapy, but yet we're not getting any better, we're getting worse. But the Bible says the way out is praise. It says to put on the spirit, the garment of praise, instead of the spirit of heaviness. Now, when it says the spirit of heaviness, I believe that, that in its fullness, in its epitome, that depression is caused by an evil spirit. Caused by an evil spirit. Right? But the Bible says that you need in your wardrobe to have a garment of praise. Put it on every day. And when you put that on, it breaks that depression. What the devil is doing, he keeps on pushing people down. And I believe he does it primarily through the words of gloom and despair and defeat that we speak. But when we put on the garment of praise, that have it in your wardrobe, make it a habit every day, put it on and be thankful. You say, what am I going to be thankful for? Well, be thankful you're saved, you're forgiven, you're healthy, you have food, you have a family, friends, a home, a job, right? You, 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 can, you, you can think of a lots of things to be thankful for. And when you do, it breaks that depression. Thankful people are happy people. As I said, everybody's worshiping something. And it may be that you're not worshiping God. It may be you're away from the Lord or you've never given your life to him. And you say, I really want to get right with God. If that's you, you want to be forgiven and right with God, I want you to bow your head and pray this prayer with me. Say this from your heart. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe that he rose again. And I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. Thank you for blood washing me from my sin, making me your child. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, you are right with God. And you really are on your way to heaven. Now, you need to keep on growing in your faith. And I wrote a book, and I want you to have the book. Uh, you can download it. All the information's right there on your screen. It's absolutely free. It's going to help you keep on growing in God. Thank you so much for being with us, and God bless you. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. 
Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.